0: On Jordan's bank, the Baptist cry announces that the Lord is nigh. What is the crying at Jordan? Who hears, O oh God, the prophecy? Prepare the way, O Zion, your Christ is drawing near. Herald sounds the note of judgment, warning us of right and wrong. These are some of the texts from our hymnal. They speak of John the Baptist and his message for the people of Israel. I don't know about you, but I know that I actually prefer some of the kinder, gentler at, at hymns. Hark, the glad sound, the Savior comes. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. Comfort, comfort me, my people. Hark, the thrilling voices sounding. Christ is nigh, it seems to say. If these Advent hymn titles seem to be <coughs> to say, they are. But they are also a reflection of Advent itself. All of this is a counterculture. Happy Honda Day! You have a friend in the diamond business. Who <laughs> As we are bombarded by the frenetic activity outside our doors, the church building, like the church itself, seems to have another focus. We are bedecked not in red and green, but in blue. And instead of jars of garland and ribbon, we have a simple evergreen wreath. Instead of joy to the world and jingle bells, we hear about the sanctification of time, the anticipation of the coming of God, and hope. We also hear of darkness. The darkness of the season when the days seem so short, but also the darkness of our own hearts and our own lives. And this Sunday, as always on the second Sunday of Advent, the Church confronts us with the person of John the Baptist. We may find him weird with his beard and long hair, or perhaps just scary as he cries out in the wilderness near the Jordan. But he must have had something going for him, for many trooped out to see him and to hear his message. Even the Sadducees and the Pharisees come to John, to see what is going on at the Jordan. The Sadducees, the rich and powerful of their society, were upper-class Jews, Roman collaborators, and they want to know just what's happening out there. The Pharisees, the religious elite, are with them, for they have heard of a prophet at the Jordan. They all come out from the safety of Jerusalem, out into the wilderness. Is John a threat to political stability? a raving madman, a crackpot, a transient figure who will fade away if people will just ignore him? Or could he be a prophet? Elijah returned to announce the coming of the Messiah. John tells his listeners to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John pronounces words of judgment and redemption as did the classical prophets of the Hebrew tradition. And at the same time, he offered hope to those who had no hope, acceptance to those rejected by their society, help to those who were helpless. John is called by one commentator the patron saint of Christian nightmares. He may seem blunt and outspoken, gruff and judgmental, Offer hope and help to those truly in need, truly repentant, truly desiring to know God's will and to do God's work. And he had no time for self-satisfied religious people who were secure in their perceived righteousness. What are we to make of John? What message does he have for us? What is the good news here? In the Gospels, John the Baptizer is a herald for Jesus, and in Matthew's Gospel, which we read this year, the public ministries of both John and Jesus begin with one word, repent. In the Christian scriptures, repentance is more than feeling sorry, rather it is a new way of thinking and a new way of living. Biblical repentance requires resolutionness, not emotion. We repent when we realize we are wrong to think we can make it on our own. We repent when we stop trying to shape God in our image. We repent when we strive to let God be God. This is not the emotional experience of a moment, but a vocation, the work of a lifetime. The vocation of repentance is a big job, like moving from one country to another, putting down roots in a new environment. The new environment is not always a friendly place. Rather, it is strange, much like the wilderness. People who live in the wilderness, and I speak from personal experience because I live in rural Alaska, people who live in the wilderness are often on the fringes of society and on the fringes of life. They may be there by choice, eccentrics who prefer a solitary life, who treasure silence and thrive on challenge. More likely, those who are in the wilderness are the rejected of society, the misfits, and those who need to live where appearances don't matter quite so much. For the people of Israel, wilderness was a complicated concept. It was to the wilderness that Moses led them after they were freed from slavery in Egypt. Perhaps you remember some of those stories from the wilderness time, how the people of Israel moaned and groaned their way through 40 years, how they forgot what slavery was really like and longed for the leaks the onions and the garlic, instead of that manna that appeared every morning, boring old manna. (laughs) Yet it was in the wilderness that they were formed as the people of God. It was in the wilderness that they learned of God's love and care for them. They learned what it was to be God's people. They learned how to depend on God instead of depending on themselves. And at the end of those 40 years, They had stopped looking back at a time of suppression and servitude through rose-colored glasses. They had had a radical change of outlook and a radical change of direction, and now looked forward to the promised land, to their future. If we could travel through time and ask them about their journey, I think they would be quick to tell us that it had not been easy, but it had been worth it. If we could travel through time and ask John the Baptist about his journey from the wilderness of the Jordan to Herod's prison to his death, he also would tell us that it was not easy, but it was worth it. It's hard to think of Los Gatos as the wilderness, isn't it? (laughs) We might be a little short on parking spaces at this time of the year, but we seem to have all the leeks and onions and garlic we would ever need. John, don't sing jingle bells to me, the Baptist. Preaching doesn't fit in very well with Christmas carols, shopping lists, and decorations. John's message seems disruptive and intrusive. Commentator Tom Wright helps us think about John's message and what it might mean for us. He says, The God who came to God's people in Jesus will one day unveil God's kingdom in all its glory, bringing justice and joy to the whole world. How can we get ready for that day? Where do the roads need straightening out? What fires need to be to burn away the rubbish in the path, Which dead trees need to be cut down? And equally important, who should be summoned right now to repent? John the Baptist, scary as he may be for us, invites us to prepare the way for the Lord. John invites us to trust God's love for us, to enter the wilderness of our own lives, and to clear the way for new growth and new life amen amen <laughs>